0: Hello, it's the Commonplace Book for the week of September 30th, 2018, a curated collection of coincidences and conjunctions of our historical past. On September 30th, 1399, Richard II of England abdicated, or rather, was pushed. He had begun to reign at the age of 10, following the death of his father, Edward the Black Prince, in 1376, and then his grandfather, Edward III, in 1377. Aristocrats regarded him as high-handed and insolent, his household is extravagant. He regarded them as rebellious. He survived the peasants' rebellion, but he could not survive seizing his cousin's lands. When John of Gaunt, the last stabilizing figure of the previous generation, died, Richard took the lands of the Duchy of Lancaster. His cousin, Henry Bolingbroke, landed in Yorkshire, captured and imprisoned him, and Richard died in prison, probably murdered. And on the 30th of September, 1964, in Oxford, Mississippi, James H. Meredith, an Air Force veteran, became the first African American student admitted to the University of Mississippi. He was determined to force the federal government to defend his civil rights, and therefore he applied to the university, publicized it, and was escorted to registration on September 30th by 500 U.S. Marshals. Meredith, despite ostracism and harassment, graduated with a degree in political science in August of 1963. On October 1st, 331, the creation of an empire, Alexander the Great defeated Darius III of Persia in the Battle of Gaugamela. The result was the complete overthrow of the Persian Empire and Alexander's claiming of its lands, its wealth, its power, something that 100 years before would have seemed science fiction, something as fantastic as walking to the moon or flying down to the corner store for a loaf of bread. And in 1814, on October 1st, the Congress of Vienna opened to redraw Europe's political map after the fall of another empire, that of Napoleon Bonaparte and his France. 1847, October 1st, Maria Mitchell, an American astronomer, discovered a comet and was elected the same day to the American Academy of Arts, the first woman to be so honored. On October 2nd, 1501, Catherine of Aragon arrived in London due to Mary Arthur, the Prince of Wales. But in fact, Arthur died and she was wedded instead to his brother Henry, who would become Henry VIII. And on this day, on October 2nd, 1919, President Woodrow Wilson had a stroke, leaving him partially paralyzed and a partial invalid for the remainder of his administration, yet no one in the public knew it. October 4th, 1537, a great technical achievement. The first complete English-language Bible, the Matthew Bible, is printed with translations by William Tyndale and Miles Coverdale. Most of the King James Bible, the much more famous King James Bible of uh, 80 years later, is actually based upon the translation by Tyndale, and most of the psalms now chanted or sung or read in the Anglican Church are Coverdale's psalms, and. Equally technical and equally amazing, on October 4th, 1957, the space race began with the launch of Sputnik, the first orbital satellite. On October 6th, 1973, the Yom Kippur War began. It was a sudden surprise attack on Israel by its surrounding Arab enemies on the holiest day of the Jewish year. It began with, among other things, the Egyptian army crossing the Suez Canal and breaking through Israeli defensive lines, something the Israeli army certainly believed was impossible. And on that same day, in 1981, at a military parade to celebrate that initial Egyptian victory, Anwar Sadat was assassinated by Islamicist radicals from amongst the Egyptian army. Born this week, Amongst famous historians is George Bancroft, October 3rd, 1800. He was an extraordinary man. He entered Harvard when he was 13 years old, son of a Unitarian minister, and graduated when he was 17. That wasn't too surprising. It had been done before. But then he went to Germany, one of the first to do so. He spent years there, studying and finally getting his doctorate from Göttingen. He also made a sort of grand tour of European intellectuals, there was hardly one famous thinker, scientist, or savant in Europe that George Bancroft did not meet and, to some extent, befriend. He returned home. There, he taught briefly at Harvard before becoming, like so many of those who would eventually return to Harvard from German universities, disgusted at its backwardness. He set up a secondary school, one of the first boarding schools of its kind in New England, the first of many to come. It didn't last, but it had achieved a short-lived fame. He was appointed collector for customs at the Port of Boston, hired Nathaniel Hawthorne, among others, a way of patronizing the intellectuals and the literati of New England by giving them a civil service post. In time, he rose up the governmental ladder, as it were, became James K. Polk Secretary of Navy for just uh, about two years. But in that time, while Congress wasn't looking, he created the United States Naval Academy at Annapolis, selected its position, uh, swapped some land about, got some funds out of the back pocket of, the department of his Department of the Navy without Congress looking, and before you knew it, midshipmen were studying in Annapolis, Maryland. He was eventually a special minister plenipotentiary to London to settle several treaties, (coughs) while there roomed with none other than the historian and essayist Macaulay. Eventually, in the late 1860s, after having been a war democrat through the Civil War, he was appointed to minister to Prussia, drawing upon his deep contacts within Germany, his German fluency, he became ambassador to the Prussian Empire for seven years. But that was not Bancroft's full life. Beginning in 1834, he began to publish his History of the United States, a history of colonial and revolutionary America that became a sort of Teutonic template for history to come. It was also a classic example of of what might be called by Herbert Butterfield, another October historian, the Whig interpretation of history, a study of what Bancroft certainly saw as nearly inevitable progress. Here's a little bit of the introduction of Bancroft's history of the United States. The United States of America constitute an essential portion of a great political system embracing all the civilized nations of the earth. At a period when the force of moral opinion is rapidly increasing, they have the precedence in the practice and the defense of the equal rights of man. The sovereignty of the people is here a conceded axiom, and the laws established upon that basis are cherished with faithful patriotism. While the nations of Europe aspire after change, our Constitution engages the fond admiration of the people by which it has been established. Prosperity follows the execution of even justice, Invention is quickened by the freedom of competition, and labor rewarded with sure and unexampled returns. Domestic peace is maintained without the aid of military establishment. Public sentiment permits the existence of but few standing troops, and those only along the seaboard and on the frontiers. A gallant navy protects our commerce, which spreads its banners on every sea and extends its enterprise to every clime. Our diplomatic relations connect us on terms of equality and honest friendship with the chief powers of the world. Our national resources are developed by an earnest culture of the arts of peace. In 1882, he added to that, the foregoing words written nearly a half century ago are suffered to remain... Because the intervening years have justified their expression of confidence in the progress of our republic. The seed of disunion has perished, and universal freedom, reciprocal benefits, and cherished traditions bind its many states in the closest union. And that's the commonplace book for September 30th, 2018. I'm Al Zambone. Thanks for listening. Right in the corner where you are.